Hey everybody, welcome to episode 183 of the More Than Just Code podcast, the HomePod special. My name is Tim Mitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line from San Jose, California. Hello. So, what do we got here? Oh, well, so first one is uh, just a, a little bit of a video that I saw the other day of, and I was sharing it with the guys before the show here, of um, a couple of uh, robots from Boston Dynamics, and uh, it's uh, amazing. They look like, they, they walk like dogs. With the with the knees bent backwards, right, and uh, one of them has a handle and reaches up and opens the door, and then as the door's open, sort of puts his foot in the way, and then with the with the arm opens the door further, and then the second robot, which doesn't have this uh, appendage, is able to escape through this door. So the caption on the tweet that I posted here is "We're all going to die." So kind of uh, interesting little bit of uh, demonstration of robots leaving the room, or, you know, which at some point in the future may become a useful skill for them. Yeah, that's that. And some more follow-up. There's another piece here from Bloomberg News with Mark Gurman talking about how Apple plans to root out bugs and revamp the iPhone software, which is sort of a story we've been talking about for the last, I think last week as well, um, that we're going to have a sort of snow Sierra, snow, I don't know, what are we calling this? A release where it's going to be less about new features and new technologies and new emojis and that kind of stuff and more about stability uh, in in the platform. I think we've we've all been talking about, you know, a few couple of missteps have happened over the last year, right? What do you guys think about that? All for it. To me, it makes sense, uh, the kind of pressures they were under, right? Because it's very sort of um, hit-driven company, um, which seems weird to say because they have, you know, boatloads of cash and they're in a very dominant position. But it's, it's still the sort of thing where there's a like a cultural expectation that, you know, when they have their keynote, we're going to see something amazing. And it's been less, less, you know, true over the years as it's become sort of very lucrative for leaks to come out of the, you know, either the supply chain or out of Apple itself. And so we're left sort of less you know, surprised about that. And I think it started becoming sort of unhealthy, this like confluence of things where Apple needed to do more and more because, you know, the, nobody cares about your last hit. We want to see your next hit, right? We, it's got to be even greater. And they're expanding into more and more things things. It's not just iPod. It's not just iPhone. It's all these, you know, all these other things, um, you know, new devices like the HomePod, new integrations, new services. And I think it was just unreasonable to expect all of those things to happen uh, and happen well, considering that they are also very, um, very well known for not really hiring, right? They're not doing Amazon style thousands of people a month sort of thing. It's like we hire a handful of people and we're very careful with our keeping our, our corporate culture, not just uh, sort of carpet bombing the industry with tons of, of engineers and designers and stuff. And I think I've, I've criticized before about the, uh, the the QA side of like, well, that's that's a side you can scale rather well if, you, if you've got the money to do it, and, and clearly they do. So it's good to see them sort of take a step back and say, all right, it's gotten bad enough where uh, regardless of what the actual truth is, the this, the narrative out there uh, in the you know, normal populace is, oh yeah, the, the product's not as good anymore. So taking a little bit of their, uh, their foot off the gas pedal and saying, all right, we still want to hit yearly stuff, but if it push comes to shove, we're we're going to be, you know, more willing to push stuff off into, all right, it's not there on day one or heck, it, maybe it's even in the subsequent release. And I think that's better because it's it's really hard to have a hard fixed date when uh, stuff just happens with software, right? It's more of a discovery process. It's not a manufacturing thing where, all right, we can just scale up infinitely. There's just really hard, intractable problems you got to deal with sometimes. And sometimes software just takes longer. So I'm all for it. Yeah. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of factors going to software development, like, you know, you never know how people are actually going to use the devices or what kind of exploits are going to happen out there, you know, how people are going to poke at things. So, you know, taking a step, I mean, and I think that Apple is far enough ahead, you know, in, in terms of where they are. Like you mentioned, the cash, for one thing, they don't necessarily, I don't think they need to necessarily be innovating every every minute of the day. And, and uh, you know, even even the new innovations are going to come over out over the next year and, and, you know, the prognosticators are going to say Apple's doomed for not trying to keep up. Those haven't just been developed in the last year. They've been things that have been worked on for three or four years you know, and they're just coming to, to light when they're released kind of thing, right? So I think it's probably a good idea for Apple to, to take time and, and improve the products that they have, right? So um, rather than trying to invade in, in other, other spaces, right? Yeah. 
So I think one thing that maybe sort of changes for them is uh, let's pretend hypothetically, I don't know, the rate was 1% of users end up with some sort of bug. You know, when Apple was on its deathbed, 1% wasn't really that bad. You know, that's a very small number of people. But now at their massive size and in a uh, very hyper-connected society now versus what it was in the 90s, I think it, it certainly magnifies the problem uh, larger than it would normally be, right? Like 1% of, you know, the billion users that Apple has now is a lot larger of a number than it was back in the 90s when there was a much smaller company. And um, you hear about it more, right? Like who was uh-huh. hearing your complaints back in the late 90s? Well, if you were lucky, maybe some folks on some internet forums somewhere, uh, maybe some email distribution lists. But now it's like, hey, uh, I'm here. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Antarctica, and I'm using iOS 11.2. And I have this device and that device. And, oh, look, it, you know, blue screen to death on me. Like, everybody will see that and it becomes sort of like a meme. So I think this is something that, uh, again, a whole confluence of things have sort of conspired against them where they, they, they really needed to take that step back. Do you have any comments about Ash Furrow's thing here? Just you just highlight some. Uh, let's see what his specific comments are. Uh, I'll, I'll read his comment. So it says, uh, I don't know. I don't mean to complain all the time, but thousands of our peers are accurately described as quote unquote beleaguered for the supposed sake of building great products. But great products take time and are best built when well rested. This isn't good for Apple or them. Uh, in this case, referring to the, the fact that um, it was very difficult to push back features to a subsequent year and all new features needed to be tied to a big release in the fall right. coming from the uh, Bloomberg article. Yeah, it's difficult to release things, you know, on time because, you know, there are always extenuating circumstances. You never never know what happens, right? And if they if they stick to a schedule, I mean, they always try to announce, you know, a new product in, in June and then like, I think we were talking about this before the show, you know, they, they have a big bump in June and then, you know, the products hit the street in September, October, or this year in November even, right? Um, and then we kind of expect, you know, the world to, to have a wonderful experience. And this isn't always the case, right? Things things do happen, do go wrong, right? So take a step back, take a deep breath, take time. All right. So there's a new product that shipped last week, right? Um, or just started arriving, what, on the 9th, I guess, of February, which is Friday? Was that Friday, Jaime? That was Friday. It was Friday. And it's called the HomePod. We've talked about it before. And uh, we'll start off with some um, uh, initial um, impressions from Ish. Um, who's an indie iOS developer who uh, basically wrote a blog on, blog post on Medium talking about some generalities about the um, HomePod, uh, its size, the feel, uh, how easy it was to set up. It basically involves, I guess you have to have a phone connected to it and you can decide whether or not you want to share your personal uh, messages on it. If, you wanna, if you're by yourself, that may be fine, but if you're working with, uh, with other people, um, how to tie in Apple Music with it. Um, I guess we'll have to, quite, we'll have to wait for Jaime's uh, impressions to find out um, whether he hooked up his music to his, or Apple Music to his HomePod. Um, and apparently, yeah, it's, uh, you know, people are quite impressed with the um, with the, the sound, the, you know, the sound quality apparently is far superior to the other smart devices. Um, there are some uh, some complaints about uh, series integration into it, but uh, I guess in terms of what's happening. Um, and a couple, of, he's also pointed a couple of things I'm missing here, I guess, uh, from his point of view that, you know, multi-user access is an isn't a thing. Um, there's no, in his says, volume indicator, at least on the Google Home, there's like a little spin dial that you can sort of see where the volume is and you can spin your finger on the top of the, the uh, device to set the volume. Um, and also AirPlay 2 was some, something they promised for, I think, to be able to have multiple multiple uh, speakers. I think we talked about that last week and maybe Hummy can fill us in, but AirPlay 2 is something that's to come later on. So, um it looks like it was very positive overall, right? I mean, yeah. the the sort of like TLDR he puts in his so is it worth it paragraph at the end of the article that we'll, we'll have in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Um, right. I mean, he, he states it from his own perspective, right? About, uh, you know, he initially thought that 350 was a, 350 US was a steep price tag. But when he experienced it and, and you know, saw the audio quality, he's like, well, yeah, like this is great, right? Like, yeah, that's one like- person's uh, opinion, but it seems like a, a fair number of people are, are coming to that same conclusion. Yeah, apparently it has a number of like uh, high-end tweeters and you know um, a number of speakers, so it, it does fill fill the room quite well, from what I'm told. And uh, of course, I wouldn't know because I live in Canada, but um, and I can't hear it from here. They uh, apparently it, it sort of fills the room, I guess, sort of in the same sort of way as the Bose technology and and other kind of surround sounds kind of do, right? In terms of apparently the the HomePod uh, adjusts to the room dynamics as well uh, through all the bit sensors as well to make the sound sound really good. Um, there's another article that. 
that came out today, actually, from Joe Chaplinsky. Um, and it's called Good Versus Better Than Bad, which is a, a, an interesting take he has on the um, the position of the uh, of the HomePod versus whether if it's a smart speaker compared to the Amazon Echo and the HomePod. I think he has an Amazon Echo, which is why he doesn't talk about Google Home necessarily. Um, and he, he from a from a whether it answers the question correctly or accurately or or has um, better sort of smart speaker and I'm doing air quotes here uh, capabilities, he rates the Amazon Echo as better than the HomePod. In other words, he feels it isn't quite there yet. Um, there compared to the Amazon Echo, I should say. But he also then has another metrics, and that's the audio quality. And and I think Joe Joe's a professional musician, as or sorry, semi-professional musician and podcaster. So he, I think, he has uh, a bit of uh, a, a considered opinion when it comes to audio quality. And he rates the uh, by the same metrics, he rates the uh, HomePod as at least better than t- twice better than the HomePod. So if you're looking for a smart speaker, maybe the Amazon Echo maybe score better than the HomePod, and the HomePod scores better than in terms of audio quality. And uh, but he actually goes on to say that um, if you if you want to create a bar of um, a level of quality called good, the HomePod's audio quality is better than good, right? Um, and it's just an interesting story here that that in in Joe's post, and of course I leave it to you readers to read it. But I think the gist of it is, if I read it correctly, is that um, you know it, it's it, it's like it, there's an expression called the best of a bad lot. Like sometimes you know you, you have um, a, a bunch of bad choices, but there's one that stands out as the better of the bad choices, and that's kind of it doesn't mean that we're talking about a, a good overall choice. Just like that's where the technology is at this point in time. Um, his point is that, uh, and and the best quote here is I got to find it here is um, the, the best quote in the entire piece is wake me up when Alexa can do anything remotely this complex. He's talking about, you know, being a digital assistant. He says, like, you know, you can ask uh, um, somebody to book a flight for you to to a conference. Like, book me a flight to Pierce Conference as an example. And, you know, a, a proper assistant would, would be able to know, you know, from his, for, would know that Pierce Conference is, is a conference that's happening in Austin, Texas, and then I think next month. Um, and that, you know, would know Joe's pre- uh, preferences for what type of flight he likes to have. Like, he likes to fly single, uh, like one hop instead of having to have, uh, uh, sorry, what do you call it when you fly all the way? Direct or yeah, direct. He'd rather have a direct nonstop flight. Um, he prefers an aisle seat. Um, you know, he has, you know, maybe some scheduling things that needs to be worked around. He'd prefer a morning flight versus an afternoon flight or something, you know, any any number of things. An actual assistant or digital assistant, personal assistant would know all those sort of things about Joe. And that said, digital assistants aren't there yet. They're not able to sort of know all of the sort of factors, uh, you know, and to, be, and to know when to, oh, excuse me, Mr. Chaplin, can I ask you if this suit flight is suitable? Um, you know, a, a digital where we are with digital assistants right now, they're not there. They're not able to make those kind of you know uh, intellectual decisions around what the the, the person they're serving is uh, needs. And also, like you know, his simple point that you know, like whatever we call these things, you know, and we joke about them on podcasts, as he says in in the story. Um, we don't know necessarily like it doesn't necessarily know that we're talking to it. Like if I'm if I say, hey Jaime, what do you think about next Thursday, Jaime? knows what I'm talking about. He knows I'm speaking to him and Mark knows to ignore that I'm talking to Jaime and that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the best the best expression is that in, in the in the piece is where he says, you know, wake me up when Alexa can do anything remotely this complex and I'll start to worry about whether Apple is falling behind in this space, um, which I think was the best best sort of summary there. So best of the bad lot, you know, uh, HomePod is, is in some ways better, Alexa's in other ways better, um, but uh, overall, we're not quite there yet, I think is the gist of the piece. I think he's pretty spot on with a lot of these points. Um, and it's kind of interesting to take it from the angle of, um, you know, the, the smart stuff versus the audio quality, because I think we've mentioned before that there's sort of like that, that opposite ends of the spectrum sort of thing going on where the Amazon Echo and the Google Home are on the spectrum of, or on the one side of, this is a smart assistant and it coincidentally includes a speaker because that's like the most convenient way to <laughs> communicate with you. And then Apple's sort of side of it, which is on the complete opposite end of the, of the 
the same spectrum. It's like, oh, this is a great speaker. It coincidentally comes with, you know, a voice assistant because that's the most convenient way to interact with a device. Um, and to point out the fact that uh, however you feel about those those things um, doesn't mean that any of these devices are at that good, quote unquote, good quality where he um, makes an analogy with uh, computers, right? Where uh, back in like, you know, the 80s, computers, like they weren't that good, right? They were just like a complete waste yeah. of time for anybody other than enthusiasts. Um, that doesn't mean they didn't have promise. Uh, and certainly computers are now um, everywhere. And it's uh, sort of a basic part of our life now, right? Because computers did become good enough, the, the heavy quotes on there, for people to be like, yeah, this is good enough. This is now a good product to have, right? You, you want your smartphone in your pocket. Um, it's worth it to people now. Uh, to like average, to the average populace person, right? Like right, not yeah, people who yeah. are enthusiasts who like really geek out about hardware specs or software or whatever. It's just like, no, this is just a device that helps me um, improve my life. Well, I think I think you're 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 right there in that the um, you know the computers back in the day you could do a lot of really useful things with it, but you had to fill in a lot of gaps, right? Like, and the gaps were huge in terms of what you had to fill in, right? Like yeah, now, it, you know, yeah, it's a different scale to be good for an enthusiast versus be good for most people, if not everybody. Um, and I think as far as the like, are these uh, truly digital assistants? I think it's quite spot on to say, hey, well, it's not like a human assistant that would do all these things, and it's not like um, I loved the uh, Chief O'Brien on Star Trek right. bit he brings up where even though he uses uh, or even though like Chief O'Brien uses the trigger word computer the computer itself is smart enough to realize when it is being queried versus its name being brought up in casual conversation right you know you know asking you know computer how long before the dominion ship is within weapons range is different than captain I'm going to need to tap into their central computer which if you do that right now with Siri right. Alexa or uh, the Google Home or Cortana like they're all going to start freaking out and there's special things that people have to do for advertising purposes like during tv shows they'll you know put some sort of audio that devices are coded to listen for and ignore the wake word when it hears that right so it's right, yeah, that's a cheap yeah. parlor trick but it's not true intelligence to be like oh a human being sitting there would understand that you're not using their name yeah i think like we talked about this but i love the parlor trick thing i also forgot to mention but the you know like you ask siri or you ask these things one question and then you in a normal conversation you would be able to go on with a with a follow-up question and and have it understand and yet these devices they're not sophisticated enough to know that you're actually having a conversation with them and they should keep that context in mind right um and that's part of the problem it's funny i was trying demonstrating with my wife the other day a feature that somebody was talking about in a, in a youtube video about what you could do with with google and so of course you know it starts to say off hey google blah 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 blah, blah. and and as soon as i played the video to my wife i was standing in the kitchen where our google home is and as soon as i started playing the video for her our actual google home heard the instruction on video and and both like the one in the video and the, and our google home device responded at the same time which is you know exactly what he's talking about this sort of comical scenario right but just to, before we get carried away so um i don't know if i mentioned before but i have a newton like an original newton message pad from 1993 which is an amazing piece of technology right and my screen was dying on on my my original one so i actually went on ebay a couple of weeks ago and i bought one so i've got one sitting here over, over my couch you know and then you put in four double a battery triple a batteries and it lasts you know for like you know, a month of sundays in terms of how long the charge lasts and it does amazing handwriting recognition i can draw you know objects on the screen and and it fills them in and i can make a to-do list and yet you know in 1993 that was kind of magical right and then you know shortly thereafter came the palm pilot and it was again even more sophisticated than newton in fact it made the newton look clumsy in a lot of different ways and and you know the the uh, the the um uh, hp what do you call it what did i just call it palm pilot was much better um a much better personal digital assistant at the time right but if you compare those to where we are today as i was saying and we were just saying about the the uh the utility of these things i mean like you know the the newton message pad while it works today to the, to this day i should say it's still very much a novelty and it doesn't do nearly it's amazing i'm amazed at how little it does compared to what i used to remember it doing when i was when it, back in the day when it when it was brand new right so it was it was super helpful to have but now i've got a phone that has all my contacts in it now i have a phone that you know can i can use reminders and i can talk to the phone right <laughs> you know yeah it's definitely different like you brought up the the palm pilot i mean i get unreasonably upset when i'm fairly certain i typed something correctly on my iphone and it gives a different letter or, or a different right, word yeah. um that's even when i have to go back and correct it myself that is a lot faster than doing the little graffiti thing one character at a time slowly with right. 
the yeah. uh, the palm deliberately pilot. yeah and that seemed incredible and magical to me at the time when i was like a freshman in college i think when i had one of those right so yeah. it, it, it's it's definitely different where when i look back i'm like yeah that, that was not a good product uh it's good for an enthusiast i certainly loved it and there are many business folks who who had it as well and, and loved theirs but let's be honest it wasn't a um across the board sort of thing like um like the iphone right that that everybody has or if they don't have one they have the you know the knockoff equivalent on the android side which brings us to your home pod jaime you, you received one last friday what do you what do you think about it after like four days or so yeah it, it's definitely going to need some follow-up in terms of uh where does it sort of fit into my life um for those of you who just joined us fairly recently on the show i own um a couple of amazon echo devices the show and the dot and i also have a google home so this is the third type of assistant um certainly the third ecosystem i'm bringing into the house and i've i've likened it before to say oh this is like having uh your senior staff um that you can interrogate for different things or ask them to do different things depending on their skills right you ask the doctor medical questions and you ask the engineer engineer questions right that sort of makes sense so that's how i deal with it in my life when i look at this sort of independently uh, and again this isn't a um like an across the board sort of recommendation it definitely depends on your particular lifestyle i think it's a great product um it definitely definitely has some some real um like head scratching things um beyond just the things that were mentioned uh before that like you know they had to cut scope to get um get this out the door it doesn't support airplay 2 it doesn't have uh multi-account support and a couple other uh things but there's some other things that about it that sort of um i wonder where apple's going to go philosophically but as of today i'm i'm pretty impressed with it um i'll caveat that by saying that uh i i do not have any sort of uh, high-end audio setup so maybe my ears are not like an audiophile's ears but when i played music through this for the first time i was amazed at how good it sounded um it's it's a fantastic audio device uh i don't know what pricing normally goes for these things but it's certainly worth it at the low low price of 350 dollars um mm -hmm. the audio comes from it so crisp and clear and feels complex so i i played the same song um on the echo show which is i don't know like a 230 dollar device and the google home which is i don't know like 129 dollar device to compare and uh, the other two sound um they're not as complex in their audio like you you miss uh certain bits like um one of them might miss sort of like the bass line is not quite as prominent um and you're certainly not going to hear things like in an uh, like a live album sort of thing from a live recording you're not going to hear like people in the back of the room clapping sort of thing and you can hear that sort of stuff for the home pod uh, hmm. and it's easier to have the home pod at lower volumes and still feel like you're getting a good quality experience and also easier to have it at the higher volumes and feel like you're still having a good experience because it doesn't feel like it's getting uh tinny and sort of scratching your ears sort of thing that's which is an effect i've had from the amazon echo as well as the google home so i think that was one of the things that really impressed me and i, I just shoved it in like sort of a random spot of my house and it sounds great right so the thing it says on the tin of oh it does like these magic things to to scan the room and figure out where the best audio like i i totally believe it i didn't place it in a acoustically ideal place i'm just a normal person i shoved it onto this desk that was uh, or this table that was convenient for me it's sitting about two feet away from the google home setup was a little clunky uh, i did not have quite as smooth of a setup as other folks but again uh this is just a single data point uh, for reasons that are unclear to me um setup failed for me the very first time it gave me some weird error message on an error number i just tried it again and it worked um for whatever reason that seems to have meant that the setting for personal requests that i'll talk a little bit about later um even though it claimed it to be on it was definitely not on because when i got to the point of asking siri to do things that would require the personal request permission it was complaining at me sorry can't see the iphone that's connected to this device blah 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 um and the <laughs> kind of humorous to me so or sorry every time i sign on to a new device using my icloud account i get an email right so on a regular basis you know i'll buy a new ipad or buy a new iphone whatever it is buy a new apple watch it says oh um you know an apple watch just signed into your icloud account sort of like as an email warning right to let you know that the people are doing that all right that's me i got an email about an icloud sign on from blank literally just blank with a period 
in quotes. It's like, what? how is this possible? Whatever. It's a weird weirdity to me. Um, I don't understand why that happened, but the HomePod apparently didn't show up properly. Um, hmm. But that's that's a little bit about that. So uh, one of the things that was really impressive to me was the fact that you don't have to scream at it when it's pumping out audio. So <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten very used to, you know, if I'm playing audio, um, let's say like I'm in the kitchen, you know, you're, you're doing dishes or you're preparing dinner or something and you've got audio. Uh, so you've got music playing through either the Google Home or the Amazon Echo. And they get kind of loud, right? Because I have an in- inconvenient kitchen layout where there's a wall in between the living room and then my kitchen. So kind of have to bump up the audio to hear the music. It also means that I have to like scream sometimes at these things to, to tell them to stop or if I want to have them set a timer or something. I've gotten kind of used to that. With this, it, it feels like you have like normal speaking volume, like as if I was talking to you right now and it hears you even though it's you know blasting out this heavy bass and, and height tweets and everything it's, it's actually quite impressive that for that part uh, so whatever um microphone setup and or uh, understanding of the room and or understanding of uh, signals processing for the actual audio that it's pumping out versus audio that's coming in um from the outside is, is actually pretty impressive. And I, I hope their competitors take a page out of that one. Oh yeah. I, I have a note here. Pro tip. Don't put it on oiled wood surfaces as we just discovered today. I, I did not. I have mine on a, a glass table. Um, other people have discovered that uh, when you have oiled wood surfaces, the iPod or HomePod apparently can leave a little ring kind of as if you left a hot beverage like coffee um, without a coaster. There have been people. Why is that? Because of vibration or the rubber on the bottom? I assume it's heat. Um, I need to oh, okay. like have mine play for, like an hour or something and then go and, and, and like put my hands underneath it or something. But I assumed it was like a heat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it leaves like like a little stain up. So, so words of the wise, be very aware of what you're doing there. And there was a, a Johnny Ive parody thing where they're like, they're going to sell a $99 HomePod sock you can put on your <laughs> device to keep it from doing that. Um, so I think when it, it comes to Siri, right? Because that's, that's all about the audio and it, it was great. I'm not like an audiophile, but it sounds fantastic. And I think if you can go to somebody's house who has one or I don't know if they have these at the the Apple stores or wherever it is, you can go hear one in person. If you have doubts, I, I think that will sort of solve the doubts for you in terms of audio quality. As far as Siri goes, um, how do I describe it? I think I describe it as uh, smarter than you'd think, but not as much as you'd hope. Um, right. So I, I think that's part of the narrative about this whole device where, uh, oh, I should answer the, the one thing. So people are like, oh my God, it, it only plays Apple's music. Mm, yes and no, right? The, the way it's presented, not true. Uh, it will absolutely play Spotify. It will play Google Play music. Uh, unfortunately, when I say those things, I mean, you have to connect to it via AirPlay. There's no Bluetooth connection. There's no um, line in, you know, like physical connection. This is an mm-hmm. all wireless world. And it very heavily pushes you towards Apple Music with a lowercase m, like the was it, like iCloud Music Match, whatever it's called. Um, and Apple Music with a capital M, the uh, $9.99 a month US monthly subscription service. That's true. So if you want to natively ask it, hey, followed by Siri, play, you know, the best of Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, you're going to have to buy into Apple's ecosystem for that. So that's sort of like the, the, the truth of the matter for that. So if you've been hearing that it, it can't play other audio, not true, but I'd also say it's not a great experience if you're doing something outside of Apple's stuff, right? Um, it's still possible. Uh, similar with Siri, where it was sort of presented in a lot of reviews that I saw that um, that it was like, oh, like this is like practically like not even having Siri and Siri sucks to begin with. So like it's so much further behind um, the Amazon Echo or the Google Home in terms of what they can do. And I don't really find that true. So I, I um, decided to use my iPhone and I you know just held the, the Siri button and went into the help to see what sorts of things can you normally ask Siri to do. Um, and the things that it can do is actually far more extensive than you would think uh, with some caveats, right? So you can do normal sort of things you might ask Siri to do, like translate or ask for traffic to some destination. You can ask it to do um, like weather, stock prices, uh, who won, you know, last night's gold medal, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you can even play podcasts like this very podcast more than just code you can just sort of seamlessly do that um, mm-hmm. ironically as i found spotcast is actually difficult and i think it's because siri has a hard time understanding what that word is um yeah i had trouble with spotcast too but you're right so i was going to ask too because I, I did i was actually surprised yesterday when i played um uh, uh more than just code podcast on the google home device it sounded pretty good but i mean 
I, I haven't got a HomePod to compare it to. So how would you compare those two? Like, because it sounded to me like the Google was reasonably good speaker. Yeah, we um, we sound kind of like we would sound coming out of the uh, the iPhone, uh, especially if it had like headphones attached to it. Um, we sound way better on the on the HomePod. You can hear uh, more of the bass baseline coming mm-hmm. through, which I, I found interesting. Um, some of the limitations on things that it can do. Um, weirdly, you can't um, you can't have more than one timer, which is mm-hmm. odd. And, and let me explain that. So um, one thing that's pretty common for me to do is to be cooking, right? And he's like, all right, like this part of the dish needs 15 minutes. This other part is like a five minute timer. And it's great to have one of those going, all right? It's like, you know, Echo set a timer for rice for 15 minutes. Okay. It does that. Oh, Echo set a timer for poached egg for five minutes. You know, that sort of thing. It's, it's very common, especially when you have that. And they'll both go off and be like, bong, bong, you know, your timer for eggs is done. You know, that sort of thing. Right. Siri on the HomePod, for whatever weirdo reason, I assume it's because of the same sort of uh, scope cutting. It can only do one timer, which I noticed the uh, folks in reviews really picked up on is a very sort of irritating thing. But I also feel like it's a like a V1 sort of thing. And with future updates, it'll certainly be fixed because that's not a, not a fundamental sort of change. Some of the other ones that I think will require some more fundamental changes to how Apple is approaching this is um, there are some bits of its functionality that require the uh, the connection to an iPhone. So mentioned in Ish's um, uh, blog post was the, oh, you give it permission to do uh, send and receive messages or like text messages, uh, iMessage type thing, or add things to your notes or read things from your notes, I think as well, or add things to your reminders. It will only do, even if you have the permission set for those, it will only do those things when the iPhone it's connected to, uh, sort of linked to, I should say, is actually on the same Wi-Fi network. So works great if I'm home, if I leave the house, you know, like my fiance wants to use it and like add something to the reminders, it'd be like, sorry, the phone that's connected to this account is not in oh, left, yeah. a Wi-Fi or something. What's that? Wow. You've left You've left the room, you've left the house? You've- yeah, or I, I, I didn't test this out myself, but I guess if I turned off Wi-Fi or went into airplane mode on my iPhone. It'd be like, oh, sorry, can't do this thing. And hmm. and very similar, you can uh, you can initiate a phone call on your iPhone and then uh, connect to the HomePod as a speaker and and probably as a as a microphone. I didn't actually try out that part. Yeah, speakerphone, yeah. Um, but you can't initiate a call from the HomePod like you can on the Google Home, and to a limited extent, you can on the Amazon Echo. So those are some of the things that are a little bit weird. Of like, uh, if it's all going to be um, you know based on Siri kit and Siri kit implies having some sort of app installed on your iPhone and therefore having your iPhone in that same room that feels a lot less magical and a lot less flexible than what Amazon and Google are doing where, hey, this thing is connected to the web and it accesses web APIs directly for things. Um, I'm assuming there's some sort of uh, privacy aspect to it. So as Ish mentions, he's got uh, at least one or more small children in his house. And so he's like, I will absolutely not let random voice that is not connected, you know, like, oh, I recognize this is not only an adult, but this is actually the specific owner um, and let them send messages or read messages. Um, it's the sort of thing where I, I think the, the the lack of having multiple accounts and being able to do voice recognition of uh, recognize specific voices, as well as the uh, probably the privacy angle of trying to do as much on the device and with as little or network connectivity as possible. It, to my mind, it sort of seems to play, um, play against the strengths that you'd see Google and Amazon doing. Oh, uh, you want to add something to your calendar? Absolutely, we can do that. Can the HomePod do it? No, it can't right now. I'm sure that'll be a software update. But even if it did, unless Apple sort of uh, separates the iPhone out of the equation, says the HomePod can do it itself. Um, I kind of wonder how successful it'll be from the voice assistant standpoint. Hmm. So it's it's connected to your phone. Like you can't sort of have it connect to an Apple TV like you would with that kind of thing, right? Like it's it's not tied into the Apple TV. I guess the Apple TV a separate device or it's, I guess it's the equivalent of a watch that's a speaker because you know how the watches are to- tied to one phone as well right yeah and, and, and I'm certainly not the first person to notice that the HomePod when it comes to those features that require um, an iPhone to be sort of connected to it and physically close mm-hmm. to it, it it turns the HomePod into being sort of like an accessory to the iPhone just like the Apple Watch as you point out is an accessory to the iPhone yeah an extension of it yeah so so and can you can stream to it from 
your phone, I would assume, but can or AirPlay to it, I guess. Can other people in the house do that as well, or no? I presumably so. I, I, I certainly have streamed to it from um, an iPad, but unfortunately, it's not a good test because that iPad is connected to the same, my, you know, my same iCloud account. So right, I don't have sort, a, but, another but iOS sort of device. Appears handy. as an AirPlay speaker kind of thing in the choice that you have, or like uh, so it does show up as an AirPlay speaker, and I'm, I'm going to assume that other people can because there there is some sort of setting where you can set a password so that like random person down the street on your on your Wi-Fi for reasons. Oh right, yeah. Um, like I don't know. I guess if you share your Wi-Fi with your neighbor, sort of thing, they wouldn't be able to to AirPlay you know random things to it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. No, I now that you may say that, I, I do recall that my um my um AirPlay device or sorry, my Apple TV um, does ask for a code from my phone when I when I connect to it now. At least it has with iOS 11. I don't remember if it did that with iOS 10, but that's for sure now. Yeah. Interesting and, stuff. and there are By some way. things that are really nice, like uh, about having some of this stuff connected all together in terms of ecosystem things that um, having reminders to be able to tell the HomePod like, oh, um, remind me that I need to go drop off this document uh, to my CPA or something. Um, mm-hmm. I could tell that to the HomePod. And then let's say I went out for lunch. So I'm not no longer in the home. Um, well, it created like a normal reminder. And I'll see that in this case, because I have my Apple Watch on all the time, I'll see the actual reminder, you know, on my Apple Watch at the appropriate time. Right. As opposed to like, um, in my case, since um, I'm not an Android user, there's far less integration between what Google can do with its assistant in terms of setting reminders through the home and having stuff go to your, your phone. And even more so limited with um, the Amazon Echo, where I can set reminders on it, but it's only going to do the reminder back in the same device in that same house. So if I'm away for whatever reason, I'm going to miss that reminder. So there's, sure. there's sort of pros and cons to sort of owning that whole sort of top to bottom vertical integration. And that's where it makes it really hard for me to say if people are wondering out there, well, which one should I get? It always depends on, well, let me ask you all these different questions about yeah. your lifestyle and where you plan to go. Right, right. So I was telling you guys before the show, and I don't know if I mentioned it in the show, in the show but I had uh, read an article yesterday on, it turned out on Reddit, um, about from the audio file group um, about a, an individual who had uh, by the name of Winter Charm had written an, an audio file perspective on the uh, HomePod, including measurements. And I noticed just now as I'm reading it, um, some of the comments that they put on this article had been struck through. They were comparing it to a KEF X30, X300A speaker, which apparently is a high-end uh, speaker, like an audio file speaker. And uh, the comment in the first opening paragraph was the, the, I, sorry, the HomePod is 100% an audio file grade speaker. And he uh, painstaking uh, painstakingly did measurements for eight and a half hours with a calibrated microphone, uh, which is matched to a serial number and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and he measured quite a few different things here. So it's quite a long read. Um, it's not a quick little uh, jaunt through the things, but uh, talks about the highs, mids, and lows, and distortion factors, and room corrections, and Fletcher Munson curves, and all kinds of other interesting things like that. Um, about so you know, well, his his sort of um, um, measured uh, view of the uh, HomePod as a as an audio file speaker, so I, I seem to get the impression he did think it was a, a, a great speaker from that perspective. So if you're interested in the HomePod as an audio file device, you might want to have a look at this. We'll have a link in the show notes for you. Um, yeah. So what else we got to say about this guy? Any any questions y'all might have? I may not have answers because I've only had it for <laughs> less than a week. You have answers, or you do have answers? I may not have answers. I mean, I can answer oh, answer things like um, it does not yet integrate with your calendar, which is a bummer because it's something. Right. Right. Oh, okay. like to have, and seems like a natural thing to do if you're already doing notes or reminders. Um, so I had, so I had heard that that it does tie into like one one user's. Um, have you like had it read your text messages and stuff like that, or have you not turned that feature on yet? I've had it send messages, but I've not uh, received a message where I've um, read it from the HomePod. Right. Oh, so you can say the HomePod message to Tim and mm-hmm. Hey Tim, how's it going? That kind of thing, and it'll do that. Yeah. So I guess like Siri, it's the same thing as talking to Siri, right? Yeah. Uh, which led me down the path of like, oh, I want if i can send you know a dollar to somebody using <laughs> apple pay and unfortunately no which i guess sort of makes sense because i'm not sure how they would authenticate that it's you do you still have to say hey siri and all that nonsense or yes that is the that is the wake word and that's so actually how does it a- know how does it know how do your devices know if you're standing in if you've got your phone in your hand and you got your home pod on the desk or you know a few feet away from you how does it know when you're addressing which hey siri it's addressing so they seem to negotiate with each other in some sort of circumstance so i've i've not tried with every device I have active, but certainly when I was uh, using my iPad and saying, hey, follow
followed by the word Siri, followed by something like, you yeah. know, what's today's news? Um, Sorry for those people who have having Siri devices. It would, uh, you could you could see that the iPad heard it and then decided yeah. not to acknowledge because the HomePod was in the room. Uh, same thing oh, really? with my okay. iPhone. Where I've seen kind of uh, more interesting trouble is, uh, and, I, and I say trouble because it's, uh, again, like you would want it to be magic to just like somehow know ambiently that like, oh, this is the most logical place to respond. If you have an Apple Watch like I do and you have, uh, I don't know, I was like moving something so my wrist had flicked to where the screen was on, right? So that it yeah. activated the watch and it said whatever my query was and the watch heard it first and decided to try answering, which is mm-hmm. not what I expected because I actually wanted the HomePod to do it, right? <laughs> so it, it's still like not perfect, but it's, it's actually surprising. We're back, we're back to, to every device in your room ringing when the phone rings, right? So well, uh, not quite that uh, bad. That's a good question. I've not received a phone call since then. So that'll be interesting. Whenever recruiters start calling up, I'll have to see um, if they all start ringing at the same time. It'll make it easier to screen them though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Apple Watch has been fantastic for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. An, an underrated sure. selling point is when you're like uh, sitting in a meeting and like, oh, look, what's this phone call? Is is it important? Is yeah. is a family member in danger? Nope. It looks like it's a number I don't recognize. So let me just cancel that. Is it always a number you don't recognize, but from some weird state or weird i get you know i get calls from like you know washington and you know vermont and all day all during the day like these random numbers are and i'm not gonna answer them right like the people who scam the phone systems can't even figure out how to properly scam like write the the phone number down so you might be duped into answering it yeah you would think if they if they somehow you know knew enough to be like oh this yeah this person is developer is like well then you should probably make it appear as if you're coming from uh seattle or cupertino or mountain view you know these these areas like oh it might be google calling oh it might be apple calling yeah well i got one from google i got one from uh, los angeles either today or yesterday there's no way i'm answering that call i see here i got the cornwall point claire quebec um john envy what province is this nevada right gene nevada Um, envy would be uh, the state of nevada yeah roseville michigan (laughs) two from roseville roseville michigan i probably should have taken that call um (laughs) homefield florida dobbs ferry new york essa ontario Mm. essa ontario yeah i don't know i don't get it i don't know i guess people do answer those calls all right well that's enough home pod for one day what do you think should we move i want to get to these picks this is one one pick i'm kind of interested to hear about so you've got a couple picks here for your, your home pod so why don't you give us uh your, your rundown on those two Jaime? yeah continuing the theme um uh, apple has put together three short videos to explain how to use the home pod so if you're uh, a little impatient and want to know like how do i interact with music how do i use the physical controls on the device itself and how do i configure the device which i didn't really talk about but it shows up as a uh home like a home kit accessory so it shows up in your oh really app. okay mm-hmm. hmm. and as far as i can tell there is no real equivalent to like find my iphone for the home pod so if you wanted to wipe it you essentially just remove it as an accessory and apparently disassociates it from your accounts oh really okay yeah but you can't find your home pod if you misplace it yeah i'm like well what if somebody breaks in and steals my home pod <laughs> it's like i want to know where that thing is once it gets back on the network right. yeah, and i want yeah, it to yeah. blast music at maximum volume it's like yeah. the police can be like oh it must be that house with the the sick you know michael jackson audio coming out of it obviously that's where the thieves are you want to blast really right. bad music and they can't turn it off yeah <laughs> like barney or something <laughs> like yeah uh, so I that's, say that's, that's head, the first but one. I decided not to. Uh, the second sort of uh, link is Apple's official HomePod user guide. So if you're the kind of person who hmm. uh, likes to read the entire manual uh, for you, the instruction manual, uh, that's there for you. And I actually found a few things that I wasn't aware of. Nice, cool. So I can ask, hey, how the, how's the uh, traffic in Cupertino? Nice. Weirdly, it does not do generic traffic, so you can't get like a hmm. uh, you know like the sort of thing you would get on the weekly or sorry uh, nightly news. Like, oh, it looks like traffic was really about today on the i5 blah 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 uh, right. but you can say uh, for specific directions either it's like you know a particular location like a restaurant for example or you can say mm-hmm. you know what's it like going from uh from here to downtown seattle for example right right cool all right well my my pick here is um google translate i think we talked about google translate before but i actually got to use it as in at, at the office today for the first time i saw it the other day like i don't think it was originally available in canada for us folks up here in the great white north to use when it was first in 
announced I think at Google Google I/O last uh, last um, spring uh, or early summer I guess um, and it's been around since like 2009 or something like that I think they, I was reading about it today that apparently the UN was involved in in uh, having Google translate translate documents for them and that kind of stuff but um, yeah the, in this year they updated it to uh, use a the a neural machine translation engine or the neural machine translation or GNMT uh, which apparently can translate entire sentences at a time as opposed to just word by word or piece by piece. But so today we were looking at a, a, um, a JIRA ticket that was written in Chinese because we have a question about some of our Chinese, some of the use of our Chinese in um, in our uh, application. And one of our, of course, one of our QA um, is, is Chinese. And so he was able to read the uh, thing and he pointed out this particular bug. And so while this, the we, you know, we had it up on a, on a big shared screen on the, on the wall. So I said, to, I, while, while it was there, I fired up the Google Translate and walked up to the um, the board and used the Google Translate. What it is is it uses your camera and it will translate languages on the fly. So if you're looking at a you know a French stop sign, for instance, and you hold up this thing and uh, you Google, you've got French to English loaded, it will translate that phrase into English. So I was looking at you know some Chinese characters on the uh, in, on the Jira ticket and I was actually able to read them correctly by using this this application. So it's kind of cool. It's called Google Translate. It's on the um, on the App Store, uh, available for download right now. And it, it, of course, it's not limited just to iOS, but uh, it's, it's way cooler on iOS. So I wouldn't use it on Android if you if you have a choice. But yeah, no, it's a really cool technology and good use of uh, machine learning um, algorithms and I guess natural language processing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, really cool product. Google Translate by Google Incorporated now available in Canada. And speaking of machine language and, and machine learning and a lot of kind of other kind of cool stuff. Mark, do you have a pick? I have a pick. Uh, this is a bit of a shameless plug, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have been working with a startup for the past year called Skydio. And just yesterday, as we record it today on Wednesday, so on Tuesday, we came out of stealth mode and announced the launch of our first product, which is the Skydio R1, which is an autonomous flying camera. It's Essentially, it's a drone uh, with 13 cameras mounted in it. And it does some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, there's been We've been fortunate to get a lot of really, really good press uh, on, on what the product does. So a lot of it's available. You can take a look for yourself and uh, we'll put some of it in the in the uh, show notes. But essentially, it's we, we've got this, uh, it's a drone that has some really sophisticated machine learning and computer vision algorithms built into it uh, so that it will autonomously fly and follow someone and film them as they're doing it. So you can use it to take some pretty amazing video footage of things that you just kind of couldn't do uh, with a regular camera or or without a pretty sophisticated uh, uh, tracking apparatus. And um, like I said, we just released it yesterday. It's available now. If you want to order one, you're welcome to. Uh, but check out the, the videos and hopefully you'll be impressed. Uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. It, it can it has a lot of built-in obstacle avoidance. So it, will, it can fly around, avoid trees. And and if, you, if you're, say, running through, through the woods, let's say, uh, and zooming around trees, it will actually follow you around, uh, which is something that really nothing else can do at this point. So mm-hmm. pretty amazing technology, if I do say so myself. Uh, the the cool part of it from the mobile or iOS point of view uh, is that it's it's completely controlled using your cell phone, iOS or Android. There's no extra controller. There's no uh, I don't know if you've seen other other drones that are that are sort of joystick controlled, where you have to really be focusing on flying the drone, and yet you almost have to be a professional drone pilot to make it do anything fancy. With this, you don't need any of that. You can set it to go, set it to track you, and you go and do what you want to do and it flies itself and avoids obstacles and follows you around and films you doing whatever you want to do. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. I posted a link here from um, Adam Savage's group, uh, Adam Savage yeah, from Mythbusters. Yep. He did a big, long, uh, like a 20-minute special. Um, one of his reviewers uh, did a long talk on it and I think went and spoke to your, I think you said he was the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hang on, just waiting for this video to load here. Yeah. So our, our founders were three uh, engineers who uh, met each other when they were all in grad school at MIT a few years back mm-hmm. uh, and founded the company in 2014. Uh, and uh, we're now up to, I don't know, 60 or 70 people. And oh, by the way, we are hiring. Uh, we are looking for an <laughs> iOS developer as well as an Android developer. So right. If you see anything that you like in the video and you're in the Bay Area and you want to uh, see what we're up to and maybe come work with us. Uh, definitely give me a 
call or give me send me an email or whatever and uh, we can talk about it yeah but coming back to the product it definitely is a cool product um like you know just i mean they were playing hide and seek in in the woods as you can see in the video and you know it was kind of like uh um you know the the terminator kind of style thing where where the device was able to actually find him just kept kept moving out of the, like every time he hid behind a tree it would kind of move out move out and try and and, and find him but at the same time you could also see it watch as as it runs you know running along with uh, with the person it's it's pursuing or whatever or following you know you could see it actually avoiding tree branches and stuff like that which is really kind of cool technology yeah right? so it, it really is pretty amazing technology if, if i do say so myself uh and yeah. you kind of have to see it in real life to believe it. it's you know it's one thing to watch a video but once you see it in real life you'll you'll be pretty amazed i think when everybody is kind of wild by it when they see it yeah it's got like it's got um i don't know if you talked about the, the cameras on it but it's got like the one main camera for for shooting the video but then it's got you know pair camera a pair of cameras on the front a pair of cameras on the back it's got cameras pointing up and down and yeah i think it's like and it uses black and white and then each one of those is using like it's not like you have to have a device like a chip or a, a rfid thing in your pocket it literally you'd say i want to follow this guy like i guess, I guess part of what you wrote is the app right you tap on a guy in the video and it, it'll then follow that person as long as it keep track of that's them, right? exactly right yeah so there's 13 cameras one of the cameras is the main uh camera for for filming and that's a that takes 4k video but the other 12 cameras as as tim you just mentioned are are, are uh, positioned in all directions around the, the drone so we can see in all directions and it's constantly filming mm-hmm. uh in all directions and building based on on that it's kind of technology sort of like you know what what ar kit does where it's it's filming what's around you and building a 3d map of the world internally so it, it recognizes what objects are around using uh vio visual inter uh inertial odometry, odometry uh, yeah. so by by looking at a frame and then seeing how the frame moves uh over time it can actually build a 3d representation of that object in in its uh you know in in its view and use that to avoid obstacles and so then memorize so that map once it's made the map it's not like it just constantly adjusting it, Con- it constantly remember adjusting the room it. yeah yeah so it's always it's always it's it's built it's it's constantly updating the map all the time right and it's using uh-huh. the map to predict uh based on its existing trajectory and trajectory of everything in the map what's mm-hmm. going to happen in the next four seconds uh so obviously you know things can change the trajectory but 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 assuming that things are on a on the tra- trajectory they're on right now uh it right. knows what's going to happen what would happen in four seconds and it can plan its moves to avoid those things right well the cool thing was too is, is i think you might have mentioned it too is i think there's like eight different modes of, of follow following it yeah, one we, of them is it'll actually, it'll actually go in front of you and yeah. it'll predict where you're going to go we call these uh, cinematic modes and there's a whole okay. bunch of different ones we're all we're always coming up with new ones actually but there's a there's a set of them that are that are shipping with the with the vehicle right now and uh these moves can do things like orbit around you you can tell it when mm-hmm. it's following you it will it will just move in a circle around you while constantly filming you you can tell it to follow you you know be a, a few feet behind you and follow you whatever you're doing uh, or lead you so it can go in front of you turn around face you and move backwards as you move forward so it's always keeping you in brand mm-hmm. uh, and of course it's got the cameras on the back of it to keep track of what's in front of it as well that's right, right? that's right yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. but it's that's pointing cool. the main cool. camera at you so it can film you as you do it right, yeah. yeah and it can go on the side we have one called party view where it's you know constantly switching between people there's a lot of people in the, oh, nice. the yeah. group yeah yeah i was just thinking it'd be great for like a wedding party or something like that like if you wanted to follow the bride as they're walking across the field you yeah know. absolutely yeah. yeah that's that's one of the things we've had in mind as, as a use case uh yeah one of the main uses that people have been using it for so far is for sports uh right often extreme sports you know if you're if you're like climbing up or some a sheer rock face or something like that doing rock climbing right, well, how are you, right. you going to film that right how's someone going to be behind you filming that they really can't but the drone can the drone can just follow you up the side yeah. filming you the whole time or for speed. yeah and I would, I would yeah i would even think things like football games i'm i'm not sure about it in a large stadium but like it, you know how you have those those cameras that they have on the big wires that they, you see on the football games they could probably have a drone follow around yeah. uh, a play right absolutely absolutely hopefully in 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 not too far future you know you'll be watching nfl games and see uh right. that, this filming thing so how is it as a speaker though yeah. <laughs> well actually <laughs> it's it's not a speaker but it is a recorder this is one thing that that other <laughs> other drones don't do is right. it records audio through your phone as you're using oh it. nice okay so yeah. 
if you're do, making this film and you could be narrating the the uh, your film and it will record it and oh, right, with cool. the with the video footage, yeah, when it's done. Yeah. So I guess a real estate walkthrough would be another great thing yeah, too, right? It would be a great idea. all you realtors listening to this show. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh. I mean, it's well, flag a drone indoors might be a little bit tough, but well, uh, I'm, I'm but talking about outside, around, like around a property the property or yeah. something like that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Or as I, I was also thinking, even watching like you know uh, young children, like you know five six year olds running around in the backyard, kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye on them. Yeah. Like, like a watchdog sort of. Yeah. Thing. If you're if you're one of these or people who is now recording every single instance of your life, <laughs> this would really be a good thing for that. Wow. Yeah. 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 I I could see like the child aspect. We're like, all right, I kind of want to let them go play, but um, I don't want to be hovering over them. But this thing could, right? And I can sort of see them. Uh, yeah. Sort of extends the the range at which you can look out the window and see the kids play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and cool. the best part is you don't have to be doing the filming. You don't even have to be holding a camera. You can be playing with the kids while this thing is filming it, and you know you'll have a record of you playing with your kids forever. So a question. Yeah. So in in the the promotional video that you, that I've seen where yeah. the girl is running through the, the forest uh-huh. and there's like you can see you can see one of the the drones in the, the in the thing and it says it was filmed with one of these yeah drones. that was actually filmed with two drones ha- <laughs> that, that yeah was- so one drone is actually doing the commercial and the other one is just in there as sort of a prop following the girl as well right yeah for that scene yes yes yeah that's interesting yeah yep. it's like having a, your own personal helicopter following you around as you go on your bike ride or whatever yeah right? exactly yeah 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 it's pretty cool stuff you know i'm, I'm pretty excited by it uh yeah, you know we've been we've been quiet about it for uh the year or so that i've been working on it and and of course even before that uh like i said it's, yeah. the company's been around since 2014 uh but um it's mainly because we're, we're doing something that really no one has ever done before and right and right. uh you know there's other competition in the space but mm-hmm. they've never come up with anything quite like this so we're we're all pretty excited about it right well norman chan is the gentleman from uh from the adam savage um show or whatever who was talking about uh this and he, and he said they they evaluate a lot of different drones on their show and and he was you know he was basically saying that there there aren't any like this one that uh yeah you know they either crash into things or what have you but uh yeah he was quite impressed with this apparently yeah, yeah. cool so yeah that's my pick all right i could see that being popular with um i don't know if, you've, if you guys have ever seen these uh, some youtube channels where as far as i can tell it's a person going around somewhere and narrating stuff like maybe their their day or some experience but you can tell that they are wearing some sort of harness that has the camera out in front of them yeah um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's like i don't know what tv show was it like survivor man or or man versus wall i forget which one it was but the person would go out in the woods and like do this stuff when you could with see a, the camera GoPro, like, basically yeah yeah but it's just like harnessed to them right yeah. it's not like like they could do uh other angles or anything so the the fact that this has such flexibility i think will be really popular with uh, uh some of the more um youtube sort of celebrity yep. kind of channels yeah yep. yeah you can see surfers using it but you know um motocross writers yep, yep. Yeah, yeah i want to see uh, i want to see like sean white use this uh yeah. on the half pipe yeah 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 that'd be cool yeah he's getting sick air and watching it follow him so there are already yeah. on youtube if you do a search there are some videos people have taken of skiing and snowboarding mm-hmm. using this thing did you search for skydio yeah s-k-y-d-i-o yes and of course if you want to buy one you can buy one on the skydio.com site you know that's right yeah <laughs> i think 25.99 yeah or like that. so it's it's not a it's not a cheap product it's a high-end product right. uh but but you know for for what's in there and for what it does it's actually not uh not too bad hmm. right. yeah i've certainly seen cool. like the larger as far as i can tell like the size of the drone yep. that are in that same rough kind of order of magnitude so it, it doesn't surprise me like this isn't the like 20 dollar drone you buy at walmart and you give to your kids or yeah. thing. no this absolutely is... not this, it, it's it's definitely meant to be a, a high-end product yeah very mm-hmm. very well built and robust and uh, yeah and you don't have to worry about like learning how to fly the thing too because it pretty much does its own thing well that's right? the amazing thing is yeah you you can you launch it by just from your iPhone by just sliding up a, a button on the screen. You launch it, land mm-hmm. it with the button, and then you can uh, to move it around. You can double tap, uh, or uh, it will. It shows a, a live video feed of what the drone sees. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. It, and it has it shows a little circle with a target every time it detects a person. So you just det- you tap on that, and it will start following that person. Uh, mm-hmm. Or uh, you can you can there's a joystick mode that if you want to use it that you can you can open up and you can actually fly around using the joystick uh, if you actually want to manually control it. So lots of different lots of different options, but it's all through your phone, and it's very. I think it's pretty in, intuitive to use and easy to use, and and it's fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, congratulations, Mark, Thanks. on shipping uh, that cool product. I'm happy yeah. to give anyone a demo if they're in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll have to keep that in mind. Yep. All righty. I guess that's it for another week then. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the intro, where do they look? I'm on Twitter. It's at DevTheHair. All right. And Mark, uh, Mark Skydio Rubin, where would they find uh, you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com or actually Mark at Skydio.com if you want to. <laughs> there you, you go. All right. That one. Cool. Yeah. So if you're looking for a cool job, give Mark a shot. Yep. All right. And I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitcher machine, and that's how they get a hold of me. And we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. This concludes another intriguing, insightful, and inquisitive episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with your Just Code nerd hosts on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have questions or feedback, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes, recommending us to a friend, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website. That's mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. Skydio videos. <laughs> yeah, so how, how about the games? Kind of going off-topic, but semi-related. You guys watching any of the Olympics? Yeah, uh, let's see. It's some pieces of it. Canada and the U.S. are playing women's hockey right now. Let's see what the score is. Oh, sorry. I guess oh, the U.S. Sorry. hockey team lost, right? Kind of a shock. To Slovenia. To Slovenia, yeah. Hmm. Look at that. Oh, and Tim, congrats on, on your Canadians winning the uh, figure skating team competition. U.S. men's or U.S. women? No, the team competition. Oh, the team competition. Oh, really? Uh, uh, clearly, you were following that fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know yeah. it was it was over. I saw several of things. Like I saw the ice dancers. I saw uh, oh, Ryan Nagasu yeah. uh, hit the that triple, triple axel. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's over. And Canada won the gold. I thought I read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah. this morning mm. or yesterday, yeah. I guess. No, but right now the women's hockey is uh, Canada versus USA, and it's two ah, okay. one for Canada. Yeah. So, and uh, how's the curling stuff going? Is Canada taking the lead on that? Probably. Um, probably. I don't know. Jonathan was watching it because apparently. My my grandson Foster is big into big into curling. So yeah, I actually you know, I actually have to admit trophies. that when it's on, I I am interested in it and I watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of cool to watch. Yeah, I watch it too. And yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. So yeah. yeah, he was all excited. He got his own broom and all that kind yeah. of stuff a little while ago. But yeah, I'd like to try it at so, some point. It, it's funny, you know, when I was in high school, I had an opportunity to do it because I moved up to Owen Sound, which is kind of a low key part of the, you know province, and uh, apparently they all went curling, and and I kind of went, nah, I'm not going to go do that. It's boring. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, go out and Shuffle try some more roof, roof or, Yeah, but, you know, I guess, you know, when you watch Canada, like you said, is is generally speaking, you know, a leader in that in that sort of uh, area. So um, Well, when you're the only country that plays it, it's easy to be the leader. No, there's quite a few countries that play it. Like, <laughs> no, like it's a whole Nordic sport, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I saw uh, Norway and the not-Russia team uh, facing off against each other Russia. in, like, mixed, so, mixed doubles? I don't, I don't know what you call it. It's like man and woman. Yeah, man, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Do mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, yeah they, I think they start with that, that sort of mixed one. I don't know. I can't. You know what? I don't get. What I don't get. I mean, like it's it's funny. I, I know it's been like that forever because I think even in Vancouver we had uh, Ross Ribliati and, and you know the the half pipe um, snow thing that they do right uh, and the snowboarding and uh, the mogul skiing and all that kind of stuff. It's really crazy uh, sports, right? Yep. Extreme sort of sports. Yep. Tim, are you a skier? I've never asked you that. I used to be. I, I used to ski when I was in high school, and then. When I moved it to, to the sad part is I moved up to Vancouver, which is where the real skiing is, yeah, right Whistler. on the Rockies. Yeah, Whistler. And uh, yeah, I never went because uh, Carol just sort of said to me, as long as I didn't have benefits covering me, I wasn't allowed to go skiing because ah, you know, she was yeah. just worried I'd you know get damaged or whatever. So never did. Hmm. Yeah, one regret. And I'm, I'm my, my knees are shot now and probably too old to do it now. Uh, mind you, uh, a lot of people say snowboarding is the, the thing to do too. Do you ski? I do ski. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, I've been to Whistler, to, like Tahoe or whatever. 
Or... Yeah, I go, yeah. Well, you know, the the thing is, I haven't I haven't skied in a couple of years, but but I used to go yeah. to Tahoe a lot. I've been a Whistler. Uh, mm-hmm. Been to Colorado a bunch of times, and uh, I've never snowboarded. I just you know, it took me long enough to be able to not fall down on skis. That, yeah, that yeah. I, it seems like half the point of snowboarding is falling down. So you know, why would I want to do that? Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> they, they seem <laughs> yeah. to fall down a lot. <laughs> why, why would you go out of your way for that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I just don't like the whole idea of my my feet being locked into into position like that. Right. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think I probably could handle skiing. Yeah. After skating all these years, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you see, you go on the slopes, you see some pretty old people up there. You see seventy year olds out there skiing. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's not like it's if you if you're doing it right, it's actually not all that physically taxing. Yeah. Yeah. Skis right. are doing all the work. If you're doing it wrong, then yeah, you're struggling a lot. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot out of you. But yeah, you gotta yeah. give it a try again. Maybe someday yeah. I'll try a little simple hill. But you know, yeah, yeah, I haven't been on skis in like since I mean, well, forty years or something like that. I guess. Oh, right? uh, yeah, exactly forty years. So I started skiing when I was seventeen. Yeah. It's too bad that uh, that uh, uh, three sixty I dev is in summer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Denver is real close to some amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, so apparently, Heim is tearing up the uh, conference circuit there now, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's good to to get out there and do that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, like if you think about, it, like, yeah, all those all those videos you see of of the you know guys trying to escape justice in L.A. There's always like those car chases yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. You know, I mean, not quite the same speeds. I mean, you're only talking 25 miles an hour right now. I, uh, guess, right? I mean, it is like Terminator. If you remember, I think it was the yeah. first Terminator movie, maybe the second Terminator movie. That first one where where the monsters cha- or the the Terminator's chasing them, right? Well, no, there's there's a scene where it, they're in the future and it shows a flying drone with yeah. guns tracking someone oh, down yeah. and shooting yeah. them. I mean, it's it's exactly like that. It's kind of scary, like wow. everything like that. Yeah, huh. yeah. They call those HKs hard kills. Mm. The, uh, the, the flying the, ones. Uh, Terminator guys. Mm-hmm. And that's from the original Terminator. The original. Like okay. the right. yeah. And then they show some more. Something that's a little bit sim- more similar to this in the um, I think it's Terminator Salvation, if I'm not mistaken, take place right. entirely in the future. Mm-hmm. I was telling Mark about that that Twitter video that I posted. I think yesterday when of the I think Boston Dynamics or something like that, where the the one robot opens the door for the other one. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? Yeah, with the little like and, uh, telescoping arm. Yeah, and they look just like the. It's. I mean, they're not just like, but they're, it's the same sort of concept as the as the one robot in uh, Black Mirror. You seen that movie or the the episode of Black Mirror this season, Mark? I've seen them all, but which one? Which one are you talking about? Well, the one where the, they're going the, at the very very beginning, they're trying to break into a warehouse and grab some. Oh yeah, some, that one. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. robots are chasing them, yeah. and they're like, you know, they're like killer robots, yeah. and they go yeah. and hide in this house, and the you know the robot grabs a knife and goes after them. And right. Yeah, that that one. And it turns out they're also trying to do is like get a, a little teddy bear like uh, from the warehouse, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that's what this this video looked like. It was kind of the same sort of thing. I probably can find it, but mm-hmm. yeah. So you're you're uh, you're created uh, Skynet, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's we. It, it's not the first time someone's made that joke.